Locks in the Bagel is a production of Kenjamin Media, a curated series of conversations about things that matter. For more information about our podcast, please go to KenjaminMedia.com. You know, uh, Robin Williams does this bit about Jesus, and he says, uh, some people say Jesus wasn't Jewish. He says, of course he was Jewish. He was 30 years old. He was single, lived with his parents. Come on. Works in his father's business. His mom thought he was God's gift. Of course he's Jewish. <laughs> right. I love that. But, which, but, come on. That, that's, that's, that's an appropriation of about 45 other jokes. Robin yeah, Williams is not the Robin first Williams, guy to make that joke. No, but Robin Williams' brain absorbed all the information in the universe. Uh-huh. Of course, all his jokes were from somewhere. There's no, I don't know if you know this, having been a, both a television writer and a television actor, but there are no new stories. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, apparently. There are, there are at, three at, stories. At last count, right. At last count, there are only six. Yeah, so um, today on Locks in the Bagel, I want to get right into the topic, because normally we, we, you know, futz around for 20 minutes or so, which is great, and I love that. And it'll probably happen again today, even though I say, even though I'm, I'm driving the train right into the topic. But I just want to get right into the topic, which is God. Yeah. And I want to ask driving you, the one, t- t- driving the train right into the tunnel. If I, had a, if I had a dime for every time we were together and you drove the train right into the tunnel. Yeah. I'm talking about God, and you're talking about sex. I'm very confused. I'm, talking about sex? So Freud. hang on a second. What are you talking about? My Freudian slip is showing. Oh, I got to put pants on. Um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. No, I never wear pants. Who wears pants? Why would you even want to wear pants? Yeah. I read an article that was my wrong. Ask, ask the question, is the brassiere dead? I don't have a lot of experience or context for <laughs> wearing, knowing whether wearing brassieres. Okay. I want to wear a brassiere or not. All and right. I don't really, honestly, I don't really care. I think that's like every other piece of clothing that should be up to the person putting it on. But why, you know, but, the, the, you know, why brassieres? Why not? Anything else? Why? Why did they? Why did Because it's sexist. Why did they ask? Is this the end of pants? Because it's sexist. Because it's a patriarchal way of looking at something in a purient way. That's what it is, right? Yeah. So go ahead. You were driving. You were driving your. You were driving your train. Yeah, I'm driving the train right, right the into the tunnel. Mm-hmm. As as every client ever said to their psychoanalysis and every psychoanalysis trope. Yeah. Um. But anyway, okay. Simple question for you: Is there a God? And if there is, how do you know? Go. I think. What you mean is okay. Tell me, tell me what I mean. I appreciate I when think, somebody. I tells think what, what I you're mean. asking. Well, that, like just, like, just <laughs> as, as you said to me last week, there, there are different versions of your story. So many. I think what versions. you're asking me is: is there is January. there a Judeo is there a Judeo Christian God? Is that what you're asking me? Yes. Okay. Although. Most likely, if there's a Judeo-Christian God, there's a Muslim God. So, I mean, uh, if what you mean is, is there a God, the God that people talk about when they, t- when, when many people talk about God, is there an all-seeing, all-knowing God that created the universe? Is that the God that you're talking about? Yeah, because I think if you asked most people, most people, a majority of people, they would, they would, they would define God by that definition. Yeah. Okay. That's not how I understand God. So, th- you know. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. When you say that's not how I understand God, are you saying that's not how I take up the meaning of a go- of God in my yes. life? Yes. Okay. So, so there's a difference then the way you, Joshua take up the meaning of God in your life. And the fact that you even take up the meaning of a God is a whole other question, though, that I think is central to this notion of, is there a God? So you don't believe in the Judeo-Christian notion of an all-knowing, all-seeing God. Is that what you're saying? Or, or that you- is correct. I do. Okay. Not. So if you don't, and I don't either, by the way, if we don't believe in that notion of God that the majority of the world believes in, why then do you feel the need to have an idea of God that's different. Like, why does that still resonate for you to take up something God-like in, in your life? Is that, is that clear? Is that question clear? Yeah. I mean, well, in, in part because I think it's kind of a linguistic problem. I think that- Be, be specific. Uh, I, I, if you stop interrupting me, I will be what did, specific. Wait, could say that again? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah. Go ahead. So, okay. So here's here's my thinking about. It. Well, first, let, let me. Do you? So you don't. All, you also do not believe in that version of God. 
I, I don't believe in any version of a god. I, I don't believe that the I, th- I believe the notion of God is something that was constructed by humans for various reasons that I don't disagree with. The reasons why God is necessary, the idea of a god is necessary. I just don't take it up, and I don't take up an alternative either. But mm-hmm. you do, it seems like. So I'm curious about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start wherever I start, and and we'll Go. We'll, we'll get to everything. Okay. Can I first start with my? I first want to start with my, and I think this overlaps your question. Like, okay. why do I choose to believe in a notion, any notion of God whatsoever? Right. right? That's the question. Yeah. Because I I understand, and this is as close as I can put it into language. Okay. You know, I understand my belief in God as my own capacity for awe. Okay. So in the same way that most people have some understanding of love, and in the same way that when we all talk about love, or like when we all talk about, well, when we all talk about love, we have a, we have some some feeling or suspicion that we all have some similar felt experience of what love is. We think we're talking about something that's kind of roughly in the ballpark of what someone else has experienced, but maybe not exactly the same thing that they've experienced. But when we, but we all have agreed to ta- take up this idea of love. And talk about it, and nobody really bats an eye when we talk about that. Right. I, I let me just let me just agree with you and say that I do believe that there is a shared notion, even though it's practiced differently, even though it's not often lived up to, even though it's not specifically clear as to what that is and what the practices of love are. I will grant you and agree with you that there is a shared notion of love that we all s- use a similar language around and think we agree with each other about. Although right. I don't agree with that, but I think that that's true. I mean, agree with the idea of that. Yeah. Yeah. Not the practice of that. Right. So as with, so as with love and per, and perhaps love is an easier thing for you to, to understand um, or, or make sense of, um, we think we have a similar or some kind of shared understanding of it, but what I can't know what that really feels like to you and you can't know what that really feels like to me. So I have some experience that I can't of, of the universe that is difficult that all you know is doesn't entirely define language but is is difficult to put into language and obviously people have been writing about this for eons which is that i feel kind of part of everything and i feel sort of apart from everything and i feel like i'm a speck of kind of a speck of dust in the universe and yet i'm sort of part of i'm sort of the center of my own universe this is a very complex set of of feelings of of my own emotional and spiritual sort of you know um, um, awareness and proprioception the way that I understand myself in relationship to everything else. Okay? okay, I am choosing. So my capacity to feel that kind of what I'm describing as awe. Okay. Okay. I am choosing to believe. I'm choosing to say is a belief. In something bigger than I am, okay? Because so many people in the world choose to use the words, the word God, G-O-D in English, right? And not the word wow, for example, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like, I think we have all become very confined, not we all, but many people become very confined with the idea of like, well, if those three letters are put together, it can only mean one thing. And I'm saying, why? Why, if what I understand as love is different from what you understand as love, but everybody has an understanding of love, why shouldn't I have my own understanding of God? And it also helps me in the same way, and so I'm going to tie in some stuff that we've talked about before, in the same way that you used to say, oh, talking about sports is really important because everybody can talk about sports, so you should know Mm -hmm. something about it. I did used to say that. Yes. Right. 20 years ago. Right. So at some point, I decided I'd like to be a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. with this idea that everybody seems to talk about mm-hmm. that I've never wanted to talk about because I don't believe in it the way they believe in it. And so at some point I decided like, well, what is this, what is this thing that I feel? And if I were, if I were going to sort of re-examine what I think this thing is, why can't mm-hmm. I have my own understanding of it in the same way that I have my own understanding and my own experience of love. And you don't know that what you experience as love is what I'm experiencing as love, but we talk about it very openly and it's meaningful to me. My capacity for awe is what I'm choosing to understand is my belief in, you know, and I'm using those three letters to make it easier for you to understand as a shorthand 
you know, when I'm talking to somebody and it doesn't matter to me whether the person I'm talking to has the same understanding that I do. I can let them have that understanding and I don't need to let that get in the way of us having a meaningful communication. Does that make sense to you? Well, yes, it it makes perfect sense to me, but it's it's interesting on many levels for me, knowing you for all these years and also just in general, both ways, because, because it's interesting that you have accepted or taken up the construction, the confinement, if you will, to talk about it within that bracket, as opposed to just stepping outside that and saying, you have an idea of a God, I have an idea of this notion of awe that doesn't fit into any, because language, because you and I both agree on this, language comes with meaning, right? Language is culture. It defines, it has definition that is absent what we want to make of it, that is taken up by others in response to it. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to me that you accept and are comfortable with living within that confined construction, if you will. Um, I, I totally understand why. I mean, it makes perfect sense the way you explained it. Well, I, just, I, 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 I don't know that I'm, well, I'm not sure that the way you're describing it is, is what I said. I'm not, in, like I, I'm not comfortable living within, first of all, everything is a construction or almost everything yes. is a construction. Well, okay. so, right. And some constructions. So if I'm going to live within a world that is made up of a, a society that's made up of constructed ideas, then Okay, that's one of them. So how do I well, do that more? So how do I do that more comfortably? And one of the ways that I do that more comfortably is to say, like, well, I have my own construction of what God is, and it doesn't conform to what yours is. But they're both constructions, right? But I mean, the but yes, I, I don't dis. I, I, I of course, but using the same word in the construction is what I find interesting. Again, not good using, or bad. Using, yeah, I hear you that it's not good or bad. Using the same word is what you find interesting. Well, yes, as opposed to taking up a different word that comes with a different meaning that doesn't have that inherently yeah, specific I, 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 I guess meaning I mean, if, attached to it. Does that make sense? It does. I, I guess if I guess there's a part of me that if you'll allow me if if you'll if you'll allow if you'll allow me to simplify it, yeah, I think there's a part of me that's just like I, I, it's not worth being contentious over this. You yeah. have you have an understanding yeah. that you're very committed to, and that's super meaningful to you. I don't need to get into a debate with you about whether there is or there isn't a God. As a matter of fact, if what I want is a relationship with you, yeah, okay, and and you and I come back to this all the time, right? And as I've gotten older and as you've gotten older, um, we have both taken up this idea that relationship is everything. Identity right. is created in relationship. And if what I'm interested right. in is relationship and not sta- a standoff, okay, yeah. then arguing about th- the three letters that we're using to describe different understandings of something that's going to get me into a standoff and not into a, not any closer to a relationship with another human being. And mm-hmm. so that I think is the is kind of what what I'm what I'm getting at. Well, that's interesting. I mean that that suggests a, a, a dramatic a profound kind of growth from your earlier years to oh, the way you positive. engaged. That's oh, really positively. interesting. Positively. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting to me because I, I think about what you just said, and I'm reminded of what my friend Leslie always used to say to me. We we're talking about different things about parenting mostly, but it, I think it's in that works in this situation too, or in any relational situation. She would say, "Is that the hill you want to die on?" You know, like is that? The yeah, thing I know exactly to- what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. and and I just always come back to that because I think that's that's a good point. I mean, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of it that way uh, myself, and I hadn't thought of it for you in that way until you just said it. Uh, but it is interesting. But I, but then then on the on the other hand, I would say like the word God is so fucking loaded. Yeah, completely loaded. It's sure. so loaded. And and the problem I have with that using that word, and again, you have a much stronger belief. I mean, a lot of people we know, kind of the people we grew up with, kind of the privileged, you know, like people who explored their identities, who had the time and the money and the opportunity to think about these kind of things like to use the word universe in place of God, right? I mean, do you have that, do you have that experience with people? I know a lot of people talk well, about the pe- People use the, well, I just use the word universe. But no, but I didn't, the universe in, but I, in, re, in replacing that, that the word yeah, God, they literally use yeah. the word. The universe tells me this, the universe tells me that. Yeah, well, right. It, like wait, receiving, like receiving something from the universe or, yeah. Right. The, it's, the, it's a way they speak to the question of God. Mm-hmm. Because they're also not comfortable with the use of the word God, right? But they think of themselves as spiritual, which is another one of the words used in in that 
place of religion. Mm-hmm. There's religious or spiritual, in my experience of people. And then there is God or the universe. This is a word used in the same construction, though, that there is something bigger than us, that is something awe, full of awe and mm-hmm. full of wonder and even full of magic, if you want to describe it that way. I, I'm comfortable with that word in all all these contexts. Mm-hmm. But they, they use the word universe because they don't like the word God because of what it comes with. Right. Because their own experience of either growing up Catholic, Christian, or Jewish, or mm-hmm. Muslim, yep. and all the constraints, confinements, rules, and associations that come with the use of that those three letters. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely. 100%. Hundo P, in- as, my, as one of my clients <laughs> used to say. Yeah. But it's interesting. I have, I have the same kind of viscerally uh, frustrating reaction to the word God as I do to the word universe. It feels like this, like substitute meat burgers. It feels yeah, like, like well, the, you know what I mean. Well, right, but but so again, and and so I mean, going back to your friend Leslie, and like, is that the hill you're going to die? You want to die on? I could just because it's just either like to be irritating or to be playful or to just because I've got a wild, you know, I've got a bee in my bonnet. I, I could argue with somebody about whether or not you know fruit being served to me after dinner is dessert, or I so could you, just now, say. Now uh, now you're getting into dangerous territory. Well, that, right. You're so going, that, you're going well, right I, t- I, well, I, well, I chose. I, I chose to drive. I chose to drive my train directly into your tunnel. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and let's know. just be honest and be truthful and state the factual uh, reality, scientific reality that fruit is not <laughs> the, the scientific reality. Scientific reality. Fruit is fruit, and I love fruit, but it's well, not right. dessert. Right. So I will, for example, I will often playfully. You know, and and as my mom used to say, "kidding on the square," I will argue that it is anything that doesn't have sugar in it is not dessert. It's a, let's just call it a chocolate chip th- round thing. Let's not call right. it a cookie because it's not. It has no sugar. In it. Or right, tofu, the, or the right, various forms exactly. of fake ice but the, but, cream are not ice cream. Right, they but, are something. Right, right, but the bottom, but the bottom line is that yes, I know what you mean. I understand what yeah, it means to you. I understand what your intention is. And so, do I want? Do I need to argue with somebody about? you know, and bristle at the fact that they're using the word universe and, and debate with them? Or do I say, do I, is the position that I take up, which, well, the position that I take up now is, I think I have an understanding of, because yes. of my lived experience of what they mean. Right. And if yeah. I, and if and, I don't, then I can ask, but I would, right. but I don't bristle at it. I, you know, now, but yeah. here, but here's the interesting thing, right? When I, well, when I go into services, which I rarely do, by the way, and religious services. religious services, and if I do, I'm dragged. I'm usually dragged in by my non-Jewish wife, which is right. classic, classic. And, and a whole a whole other conversation. Exactly. You know, she's like, "Well, I, I really think we should go to high holiday." Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, it says that. Right. God love her. Don't you want to talk about that? Shouldn't we be going? Um, when I go into high holiday services, the God language makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and you know what's interesting about that is there are many Jews that feel that way. And so Reconstructionist Judaism and other forms of other kinds of modern Judaism, I would argue, have taken a lot of that out because for that very reason, but still feel they connect with the, their notion of God without those very prescriptive and specific. That's right. Well, their notion of God, but it's very hard when right. you're in the middle of a service, you know, and, and, and the very idea of prayer then itself, right? Like I, that, that's not that right. meaningful to me because it, in in the way that it is usually performed in a religious ceremony, right? Again, right. Uh, it, it is laden or freighted with all of these um, ideas and expectations. Like, well, you know, but I, I like what Heschel said about prayer. You know, he said prayer won't save us, but it it, may, it might make us worthy of being saved. Because which because, is, is that because prayer suggests um, a value system, an idea that that keeps us in a moral place? I don't know. I mean, that's what it suggested to me what you just said. Because the idea of prayer, regardless of whether there is a God to pray to, but the idea of prayer, the idea of of solemnly and in some way quietly asking the universe, God, whatever, to hear you feels like there's a value around that, that in theory can be very positive, although not always in practice. Yeah. And I would, and I would, I mean, I mean, obviously this conversation ends up then taking us into the broader idea of religion in general. And I would say, and I would, 
No, you don't think it does? No, it could. It doesn't have to, but right. go on. But I mean, I like I like what Reinhold Niebuhr said about that, which is like, well, it's good in the hands of good people and it's bad in the hands of bad people. And that right, like you, anything else. Right, exactly. And you just reminded me of that when you said, you know, um what right. what, what you just said. Right. The question always has been do, do, do if and this is the the critique against atheists often by religious people is if you don't attribute those good values to God, then you're just out there listless and wandering, which I think is crap because you can attribute good values to good. If you take up what we consider good values, and that's a shared idea often, not as much these days, but it used to be those of us who don't believe in God don't, don't see the connection between morality and decency and God. We just think those are human values that are meaningful. Well, except that here's the interesting thing, right? And and I and I, I am not I am neither smart enough nor educated enough on the subject of religion to be able to talk about this um, in a way that is um, you know as meaningful as I would like it to be, and I I think neither are you. So with that you know sort of caveat, I, I am a rabbi. Yeah, a lay rabbi, a lay rabbi. Are you? I I didn't know. Sure, this lay, is, this I, is something I, I, I ordained I didn't... myself. Oh, okay. Lay rabbi. Okay. Okay. So this is. G- give me a second because the. the those ideas don't literally come from God because you, in the way that you and I are talking about God, the way most people think about God. But whoever wrote, whoever came up with those ideas, I think, believed it would be easier to convince people to take up those ideas yeah. if they came from a higher power. Okay, right. Um, I do think that there are a lot of ideas that we take up in our in our in most cultures and societies about what goodness is and kindness and love that are rooted in religions. Most religions take up sort of this very similar. Well, um, historically that's true because they were the dominant force in society. Correct. That's where people learned about anything. Well, right. But so what I wanted to say to you was, right. You said these things like human values. I don't really know that, you know, some of the things that, that you, you know, love and kindness i don't know that kindness by the way is a innately human value if you've ever watched I didn't say innately i said a human value meaning a learned value a shared value. well I oh, think okay I, well oh well you didn't say it was a learned value you, you said it's a human value yeah a human value i think all human values are learned but that's well okay well okay. But let me just let me just explain that because i would say to you that in a what values come out of a society values come out of shared experience and necessity to live together the value is i want to the value is a value around society the value is a value around not uh, anti-anarchy right so to live together in any semblance of community any community a small village a country you have to create a shared sense a certain set of shared values for it to work that's you, just, you can that's create a sense of shared theory. values that doesn't ha- you can live in a society that's full filled with laws that prevent anarchy and we can call some of those laws values uh, you don't have to have kindness to live in a society that doesn't devolve no, into no. anarchy know, for example that's just the value i, I yes that's, yes I believe in. so but what important. i'm so my point is though i think a lot of these a lot of values that humans have learned come from religion yeah of course yeah well, well yeah but I, I think that a lot of people who are anti-religion kind of ignore that little part. Well, ex- except I would ask the next question then, where does religion come from? Well, religion, obviously, what do you, what, well, what do you mean? Where, where does it come from? Well, does religion it was, it was come crea- from God? Well, well, no, well, was well, created well, by in, men. Well, it was created by, it was, yeah, it was created by human beings. I mean, in my, in, in my, in my opinion, but, but obviously a lot of people think it comes directly from God. You say that matter of factly, but most religious people will tell you that, that all of that comes from God. From the word of God. All right. That's why. Through men. Yeah. Right. I don't believe that, but I know, I know a lot of people do. And in the end, I, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me either. If they believe believe that or not. And that's why, again, we go back to the Reinhold Niebuhr thing. Like, well, it's good in the hands of good people. and It's bad in the hands of bad people. Right. And that's why I also no longer engage in those kinds of battles that I used to when I was 20 and 15 and 25 yeah. about challenging those words and that language. And it's interesting when we, be, when I became a therapist and I remember the first very religious Christian client I had. And, and I remember being asked if I, if that was something that was going to be a problem for me. And it wasn't at all because again, for me, the core of 
therapy and identity and everything is relationship. And I'm not interested in telling you that your relationship with God is good, bad, or anything, except being curious about what it is and how it impacts you and what purpose it serves you and how we can help you make that meaningful if it doesn't feel meaningful. You know, again, that's a, just a different question. Right. It, but it does lead me to another question because I was watching uh, Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom recently. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever saw that. It was about a newsroom, hence the title Newsroom, mm-hmm. kind of you yeah. know, right on the nose there. Um, and they were doing this this bit about, uh, or the, the, the reporter in the show was talking about how Michelle Bachman, the former very conservative congresswoman from Minnesota, had said that she had actually spoken to God on numerous occasions, literally spoken to God. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the producer in the, in the meeting said, why isn't the first question that every reporter asks her, what does God's voice sound like? And they all laughed and they thought she was mine. And she's like, I'm serious. People say they have spoken to God why aren't they asked what his voice sounds like? Is it a woman? Is he a man? Is he old? Is he young? Is, what does he sound like? I thought it was an interesting question because here's the here's the the rub or the statistic. 36% of Americans, thir- one in three Americans, a little bit more, say they've heard the voice of God. What does that what does that suggest to you? <laughs> you, you, you you've stumped Stunning me. silence. Right. <laughs> 36% of Americans say they've heard the voice of God. Now, it's not clear that that 36% of people are hearing God or Morgan Freeman. That's confusing. We don't know exactly. Because this is the question I want to ask you. When you think of God now, when you think of God, right, even though you don't believe in the Judeo-Christian God, and I don't know, when you think of God, what's the first image that comes into your head? If somebody says God, what, what image comes into your head? I, I, I don't get it. I, an image does not come into my head. Okay, I think of George Burns. Because in our childhood, oh God, the movie was a huge thing. And so when I hear the words, when somebody says God, the first thing that pops into my head is George Burns playing God. Mm-hmm. The second thing that pops into my head is Morgan Freeman actually playing God. Right. Because this is what I see God. And I think those popular culture, you know, uh, icons are also reinforce this notion of the all-knowing, all-seeing God in a very powerful way that not, not, they're not insignificant. Right. They have an impact. Yeah, I, you know, my my sincere guess here is that of the thirty six percent of Americans who say they've heard the voice of God, at least half of them have not heard a voice that they could describe. Okay, let's take let's just go at that that number. Let's say ten percent of people, even lower than the eighteen percent. Let's say ten percent of people believe they've actually heard the voice of God. Yeah, what do you do with that? And here's the problem. Okay, here's the problem yeah, for me. I mean, who who cares what? what I, I don't know. I don't care. Well, it's, 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 no, this is a tough you. one for me because I don't care yeah. what what the voice sounded like to them, yeah, and I suspect me, that it sounded different to all of them. But let me let me tell you what what I struggle with in this in this area with mm-hmm. the whole notion of God and that the America is a Christian country, right? A lot of politicians in the last few years have been saying this explicitly, even though there is a constitutional amendment, and God knows. It's in the first one, the Establishment Clause, that there shall be no establishment of religion by the state because the framers were so terrified of what that could mean to people. Well, And the idea that people, what? Go ahead. I, I mean, yeah, we, we, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the Woody Allen line from Love and Death when he's like, shall, shall we say pistols at dawn? And he says, well, we can say it. I, I don't know what it means, but we, we can say it. You know, I mean, the same thing, like, well, you can say it's not a Christian state, but it, like, you know, it, it is. This was well, this country was founded by Christians. It's a yeah. it's a they could write it, except, but it's a Christian except, country. Except the theory and the reason that that's enshrined in the First Amendment of the Constitution was because America Americans were persecuted in other in England in places for their religious different religious beliefs, and so the idea was, and again, it's an ideal. Black people were not considered people. All men weren't created equal. Women weren't part of all men. All of those things were true in the Constitution. But in the ideal that religion, uh, we had to respect all religions, and thus we don't establish one religion to make it an us versus them. And that's a that's an ideal, right? We've never lived up to it. We never lived up to the other stuff either, right? It took hundreds of years for women to vote and for black and, that, and that's what I mean. We we haven't lived up to that. You know, and all of the rest of that. Yeah, in reality, I'm just saying. Yes, I, I, that's we're saying the same thing. I mean, it it is an ideal um, in which I believe. I, I don't think that the the. Um, right. Let me tell you what. Let me just make my point that I was going to make before. That why what what worries me is the notion of God is unarguable. Right. 
it is not it is an unarguable val- uh, definition of, of belief say say right? say what you mean by that you can't you can't um you can't you can't say to somebody like show me proof or how do you know there's a god or i don't think there's a god there's there people who believe there is a god simply believe there is a god and there is no nothing and there's no proof of that in any kind of tangible way but there's also no way to have a conversation about yeah, I mean, it okay i understand what you mean yeah okay right yep it is it is unarguable and that scares me as a jewish person that scares me yeah. as a thinking person that scares me does that make sense yeah okay. yeah keep going right I'm, so I'm so so the so the question of is there a god who's god i mean here's the other thing when i was doing some research for the god question you know monotheism this notion that there is one god which we all hold now right everyone holds now there is one god that didn't used to be the case a couple thousand years ago there, until it, it, it was shifted in, into a, a belief there were many gods in the old days of the world People believed in multiple gods, yeah, and then this, there was this is chain. Hebrew school stuff. This is this is right. what this is like. You should smash your idols. I mean, this is the whole point, <laughs> right? This is exactly the thing. And again, I'm not. An, did, you, did you just learn this? Are you? Did you just learn this in the last week? No, no, no. I learned it in in uh, the Joseph movie that we saw in the fifth grade Hebrew school. Oh, okay. Um, but but my point is simply is that the the way God. And religion, by extension, is used in our culture today, especially and often and throughout the ages, I would argue, has the potential to be uh, very dangerous. And we see that everywhere. And God is often attributed as the reason people kill other people, the reason that people do. I mean, and the thing is, a kid, you brought up sports before. I was always confounded. One of the reasons, even as a 10 year old, I wondered about this idea of God was because you go into the locker room of a football game. And both sides are, t- are telling their players, God is with us. God is on our side. Right. I always found that as a kid, like, well, how is that possible? Yeah, it can only if be one on one side. Win. I yeah. mean. Really? Well, what's the over-under on, as far as God's concerned? This is the point. Like, like, what kind of God takes a side? Yeah, no, it's, it's, all it's, of the politicians. Wait, let me just finish. All of the politicians that use God today, right? The Michelle Bachmans and the other ones, all of them. They say God is on our side, thus he's not on your side. So for, from their point of view, mostly if you're a Republican, God believe, God thinks you should do these things. And if you're a Democrat, God is against you. Except, here's the practical part that always pisses me off. If you read about Jesus, this Jewish man that we were talking about earlier, yeah. if you read about Jesus, what, what I came away with reading about Jesus was that he was very focused on helping the less fortunate and the poor the people who weren't privileged in the modern parlance. Mm-hmm. Like that was a core value of his whole thing. Very big on that. Very big on that. And yet we can't, in the last six months, the devil from our last episode, Mitch McConnell, won't even agree to help people who are unemployed, struggling with their rent by no fault of their own, won't even help them during this pandemic right. because he doesn't think they deserve help. But calls himself Christian. But calls himself a Christian. What kind of people are these Christians who don't believe that the poor among us, the ones who are suffering, deserve help? And literally say, well, you sh- if it's your fault, you're poor, fuck you. Literally, that's what they say. That's what drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, so this is, and, and so we're getting into the what makes you insane. What makes you insane? Thing. Well, it's, it's funny that, that you... Because uh, I only, f- I, I just, you know, when I opened up my email today and saw the link for the podcast and it said, God texted me. Uh, I love that I send you what we're going to talk about. And sometimes I give you a little advance warning and sometimes I don't because I just want to. Well, by advance warning, off. if you mean like, yeah, if you mean like a few hours, yes, it's advance warning. I think in most modern but, cultures, a few hours is extensive warning. But anyway, extensive. Go on. No, but it's funny because just the other day, yesterday, so I heard a horrible story from my sister. Um, about uh, someone and and whose child, uh, whose infant, her her oh her sister was holding, and she mm-hmm. dropped it. Oh God! And it landed on its head, and it it was oh. brain damaged, and that child is now sixteen, and has been in a wheelchair his entire oh. life. It's yeah, it's it's story. this most horrible thing. Um, I, I, I have another, uh, I have a, a friend who, uh, through 
various means came to this story about someone who watched their four-year-old standing on the ledge, pushed on a window that was supposed to not be openable of a, a six story of a, of a hotel mm, and fell yeah. out the window, we watched it happen, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and the, 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 when I hear people say, well, that, you know, God, God has a plan. Right. I kind of draw the line there in terms of my, my, uh -huh. you know, my willingness to take up that idea of, you know, like, well, whatever your understanding of God is, I can, you know, sort of, that's not that important to me. I, you know, we can have, I just, I, that's, that's kind of where I draw the line on that because I, I, then I think like, really, what, what possible plan could God have had? Why, why, why would a, why would any, why would any, you know, sentient, conscious, deliberate right. acting mm -hmm. God do that. Yeah. And, and the response is always, we are not smart enough to understand God's plan. That to me is the definition in the dictionary of rationalization. Like you, it's, it's about, it's about creating um, the end and then making up facts to support it. Yeah. You know, it dri that drives me nuts. Now, now, now let me, let me, here's the and part for me. Okay. And this goes to, this goes to, I mean, religion more broadly. Um, but I, but God, which is what you want to be talking about, I think specifically people struggle that, that is, that is an event which seems to be bereft of meaning. Right. And if there is no meaning, yeah, then I cannot survive. Right. Absolutely. I cannot live with this unless I believe there is meaning behind it. Absolutely. And so the meaning comes in, as you said, this sort of a faith that, that God, this idea of God that we're talking right. about, this Judeo-Christian idea of God, that God has a plan. It was God's doing. God did it with a reason that we can't understand, but I have to have faith that there is uh, a reason behind it, a meaning behind it. Because if I don't, because if, I, because if not, you know what you do? You kill yourself and you kill your child. I mean, that's what ends up happening. And not only that, but the second part of that, and my child is in a better place because the because within the construct is the notion that there is heaven and there is a place that somebody God takes people back or they go home however whatever language you want to use and it's all a beautifully constructed idea and i do think that's right i think what you said is exactly right is that humans i think there are very few things that are foundational that are innate if you will about humans but i think one of them is that humans need meaning. Yeah. It's I, part I of our brain. It's part of the way we're constructed. We need to find meaning. And the best way to find meaning is to create an idea that everything has meaning. We're just not, it's a big, huge, grand plan. And thus, your life is going to be okay. And I think I said this on the podcast last week, or I might have just said in a conversation with somebody the other day, I can't remember. Um, I have so few conversations in person these days. I was just going to say, you, you had a conversation with someone the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It was, it was lovely. Um, uh, but uh, I totally forgot the point I was making because the thought of having a, they're in a better, they're in a better place and they're, they're, we're just, yeah, something. I don't know. I lost it. They're in a, people are in a better place and they need, they need, I wish, I remember now, I wish that I had, that notion of faith that I could take up this idea that there's a plan. And so I don't have to worry about all of the things about which I worry and regrets I carry and the stuff that, that I struggle with, because if God has a plan and I am part of that plan, then everything happens for a reason. You know, another phrase that people use all the time that to me just, you know, sounds like Santa Things happen for a reason. Everything happens okay. for a reason. Yeah, I, I mean, know it begs it beg, but it be, that question, that statement begs the question, doesn't it? I mean, I always want to say, uh huh. What what? What's the reason? What what, what was the reason for that? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Lay it on. What was the reason? Lay it on. Nazis. Yeah. What was the reason for John Wilkes Booth? What was the reason for you know? And again, this is the problem with it. Like you can come up with anything if if there is an all knowing, all seeing being who has a grand plan that we can't understand, yeah. then 
the worst thing in the world is part of it and the best thing in the world is part of it. That, that, to me, that has no meaning. That's why I don't believe in God. Because to me, when everything is possible, there's no meaning. It reminds me of my childhood. I had no structure, no rules. And from 10 on, I could do anything I wanted. And it was overwhelming. Sometimes I couldn't do anything because there was no structure. There was no line. There was no sense of where to start. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, as, as crazy as that thinking sometimes makes me, yes. when, I, when I arrive at the place that I just did, which is that's the only way that they, they survive. Right. It's the only way these people keep going. Right. And that's why I say, oh, go ahead. And, and uh, explain, as a therapist, that's why I say, tell me more about that. Tell me how you find that meaningful. Tell me what that does for you and what that affords you, what that suggests you, what that allows for you, what that provides for you. But see, and I, but see I don't just do that as a therapist. I do that as a human no, no, being. I'm saying, I don't have any conversations with other humans now. So yeah. yes, if I had those conversations, I would be doing that. But I'm just saying it reminds me of that experience as a therapist of p of of difference of people who believe something completely different than what I believe. And and again, it's all about how you make meaning. To me, that's the core of everything, right? How do we make meaning? Yeah. I do I do think that's one of the really interesting distinctions speaking broadly about Judaism or between Judaism and, and Christianity. Mm-hmm. Is that this idea of the, there's no there's no there's no um, faith component to to Judaism? We've and mm-hmm. we, we we've talked a little bit about that mm-hmm. before. You know, you don't have to do all, all the things that Jesus did as long as you believe. And you know, now I'm speaking again. I, I I'm. Not as a religious, not scholar, as a religious, not as a religious theologian. scholar, and I am, I am glossing over all of all of all of the nuance. Of Indeed, that. Um, but that's what kind of what what I thought about when you were talking mm-hmm. about Mitch McConnell and Michelle Bachman and other people. You know, I think the kind of um, you know what would the, the 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 word be for that? You know, the um, schmucks. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry. But that's You're not what I was thinking. Direction. No, but the 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 explanation or the um the gimme on that is like, yeah, but I have faith. Well, you know, forgive me, you know, I'll be forgiven in the end for, you know, transgressing or doing, you know, not always doing the best that I could for other people because in the end I'll uh, I'll, I'll be forgiven because I have faith. And I think that that's where that comes comes into play with people yeah. again when re- you put religion in the hands of bad people. Except that there's that other place in that religion too. So if you do bad things, you might go to the other place, not the forgiven good place. I don't know how that works exactly. I'm not up again. I wasn't raised with it. I'm not up on the whole like heaven and hell distinction and what, when a bad person gets forgiven and a good person, I, I, don't, I don't get it. But there is that other place. You want to hear a great story about Abraham Joshua Heschel? He said... Sure. <laughs> Of course you do. I, who doesn't love a good Heschel story? Tell me a good Heschel story. He was asked once, is it true Jews do not believe in hell? And he said, no, that is not true. We just don't have enough information. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that, that suggests that every human being, by definition, should be agnostic. There's just no way to know these things in any way that we know things. And so not knowing should be an acceptable position, I, I believe, but it isn't in our culture. When's the last time we elected an atheist president? I don't know that I'm we have. I'm pretty sure that would be <laughs> never. Ever. Thank you, um, Jack. Anyway, let me ask you this, the big question now. Are Wait, you ready for the big question? That, the, the, all of this hasn't just been part of the big question? Well, this is, the, this is exactly, that's funny that you said that, because today's big question is a is a big question with a more specific and small focus because, because the whole program was the big question the big question today has a narrower focus within the construct of the big question okay and it's, it's also fun because because in, in in preparing for this and by preparing i mean like i, I you know I, I spent like 40 seconds thinking about it uh, like what what i was going to ask you actually was on this topic so go ahead but I, I think I've, uh, and, and ahead, I'm not sure that you've actually answered it today. So, go ahead, ask me your big question. Well, what I was going to ask was, so 
how has your understanding, if it has, how has your understanding of God changed? And, and what effect has that had in your life? My understanding of God has not really changed that much, except I would say, again, it's more inclusive now in ways in broader in the sense that, I mean, I always felt I didn't have, I didn't really know about this notion of God. Like I was taught these things as we all were in religious school as kids, religion, whatever religion you are. To me, they didn't really make a lot of sense. That might've been partially because they weren't reinforced at home. Neither of my parents were great. I mean, my mother was into this other thing called Self-Realization Fellowship, which kind of includes all religions. Paramahansa Yogananda, right? Paramahansa Yogananda, exactly. In that that lake shrine in in the Palisades in LA, which is a beautiful place where rich people go to sit and meditate. And Dennis Weaver, who the star of McLeod in the 70s, uh, did the sermons when my mother took me as a kid. But I mean, that I never connected with any of that, those talks and and Hebrew school as a kid. I felt part of something in a certain way, but the God part never connected for me mm-hmm. and it would never reinforce. So I think I grew up, I think as a, what I would call a precocious 10 year old, I was an atheist. I just, or an agnostic maybe at that time. I just didn't, I didn't really have a sense of it. And again, it wasn't reinforced at home. And when I went to college and, and took classes and studied religion a little bit, which I did a little bit, again, not very advanced, but again, it, it all suggested to me God was a construction, that God was an idea used in a positive and negative way to control people, to keep people safe, like the ways you had described earlier, but also as an element of social control and power. And so that I think I saw God as a political instrument in my 20s, used by, by powerful people, popes, rabbis, whomever, mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, as an instrument of social control. And I think I still feel that way to some extent, although I have lessened in many ways my my anger or frustration, which I felt as a teen and in my 20s at others who take up this notion of God, which feels exclu- exclusionary to me, which feels, you know, like the us versus them thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also have come to this idea that people make meaning in different ways. And I kind of parroting what you said earlier, which is what I've always believed for the last couple decades, mostly is that meaning is what matters. And however you take up meaning, as long as that meaning doesn't hurt other people, doesn't affect in very negative ways, other people, violence and, and and again the us versus them thing i think there is space for people to take up meaning in different ways to take up god in whatever way they want but i don't think again in practice i think it's often very negative and often used to create divisions between people which i don't think is helpful as a culture as a society as a world so i guess that's how my view of god has changed but it hasn't particularly cha- i haven't taken up a new meaning around god Mm-hmm. Yeah, see that and, that, and that's interesting to me about you. Uh, but, 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 but I liked your answer because, I mean, uh, I'm not not like I'm judging your answer, but I'm saying what I liked about your answer and what's what I've sort of listened to you find your way to when I because you started by saying it hasn't changed really, but then you know I, I listened to you kind of find your way through to mm-hmm. really a more sort of emotional core, but. Um, that's usually how it works for me. Yeah. The Meander. Yeah. Um because I think so many things so so many ideas uh, of yours have changed over the years. And and in thinking about this, I actually kind of thought about that thing that you said. That was kind of my guess. Like I think this may be one of the things, maybe one of the few things that he hasn't actually changed his thinking on very much in 20 or 30 years or 40 years. But my practice around that thinking has changed. But your practice around relational experience of that thinking has changed. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's a good question. All right. So now I have a question for you, which is a big, sounds like a big question at the start, but actually becomes a much smaller question at the end. So if you were the Judeo-Christian notion of a monotheistic God, if you were the one God and you could change one thing in the world, not a big thing. Not world peace, not hunger, not a big thing, but a, but like an invention kind of thing. Like one thing that, let's assume in the construct of the question, just go with me. Don't make that face. Just go with me. Just assume that you were, you're the inventor of everything, right? So if you could change one little, if you could tinker, if you will, with one thing that maybe you made a mistake, what would that thing be? 
What thing would you change that you created that you thought, oh, this doesn't work the way I wanted it to. I'll do it this way. Again, not world peace, not hunger, not a big, you know, foundational thing, but a little thing. Can't be a big, it cannot be a big thing? No. I, the, this, the question is about like a tinker. Like what thing, I'll give you an example. Okay. Just for clarification. Go for it. For me, that I would answer that question. I would change the avocado. That huge fucking pit in the middle takes up all the space for more meat. Why the fuck did he put that pit in? Make the whole fucking thing full of good avocado meat. Then you get a, and then a little avocado is still a meal. Now you got that fucking huge pit. What's the point of that pit? If you're so smart that you can create light, you don't need that pit to keep the thing ripe. You can just make it fucking ripe. Okay, that's the that's the kind of thing. Yeah, I, makes sense. Yeah, I, I I knew that's what you meant, but I'm glad that you had an opportunity. Thank you. I appreciate to that. do that. Yeah. My avocado piece has always been very important to me. Yeah. I was I was on the avocado train way before this whole avocado toast thing that's happening now. When avocados were just avocados. Anyway, go on. Yeah. I, I would not I would I would not have made green peppers. I, I think that I mean I've got them on a food thing. Because red and orange, red and orange, those Excellent. those are those are great peppers. Great you know, peppers. Great peppers. The the green the green pepper hate it. No. There's I'm just, with you. There's that it's now, it's now it. just taking up space. I don't understand. Yeah. Any anytime I've ever been in a group of people and they order a pizza and it has green pepper on yeah. it, I have to individually pick out those little fucking green and, peppers. And also, and, and this is going to be controversial. Indeed. This is going to be controversial. Cats. <laughs> if I if I were if I were if I were the, the Judeo-Christian God, I I would I I I would be thinking right now. I really, really blew it with cats. This mm-hmm. was a huge yeah, mistake. Yeah. This was a huge mistake. <laughs> I, I I love that one. I know you you've never been a huge fan of the cat, the house cat. How, well, how do you feel about the bigger cats? Like you know, great. What we call cat. Yeah, the lion. The love, leopard, love those. Love jaguar. Those. Yeah, love those. Love those. You're talking about the house cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. shredding, the thing that's hair falls off yeah, and smell. Yeah, yeah, the just claws and the meandering away around in a way that makes no sense at all. Yeah. The, yeah, cats. I that that would be the one thing that I would uh I mean either I would I would just yeah, eradicate. I would I would just say, you know, my bad. I this right. is sorry. No more cats or I would yeah, I would tweak the cat. Mm-hmm. So that it, it was more like a dog. It's more like a dog. Yeah, yeah. I get. <laughs> I, I totally could have because the, that because one. the dog. Yeah, uh-huh. the dog. What, good invention. Oh, one of the best. One of the best. Well, you had the largest dog known to humanity for many years, and so he was, you had a lot of dogs. Uh, he, he, yeah, he was he was a large animal. Uh, but really, that 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 one mm-hmm. that one I hit out of the park. If I'm, yeah, if, I, if, if I'm speaking as the Judeo-Christian God, hit that one out of the park. I think uh, I think that that it sort of encapsulates the whole broader discussion, and and God love you for it. Thank you. A blessing on your head, young man. Mazel, Mazel tov. Tov. <laughs> Locks in the Bagel is a production of Kenjamin Media curated series of conversations about things that matter. For more information about our podcast, please go to KenjaminMedia.com.